we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. This is Dr. Peter Bregan, and I'm with my wife, Ginger Bregan. Hi, folks. And we are America Out Loud hosts. And uh, we appear every Thursday at 5 p.m. on America Out Loud. It's now called AmericaOutloud.news. It's a marvelous platform. We do a column on it regularly. Ginger writes one or I write one or we do them together. And uh, we do this show every week. So it's a tremendous outlet. Um, good way to stay in touch with us is our Substack, Peter and Ginger Bregan's Substack. Um, I, I'm going to start with a little bit of this today because I realize how little I actually just tell you how to get in touch with us and be in touch with us. And uh, our website is uh, bregan.com, B-R-E-G-G-I-N.com. And on that, you can get our wonderful um weekly sort of it's how many times a week now are you doing the reports oh our breaking our, our breaking alert breaking alerts free breaking alerts right tens of thousands of people they go out anywhere between hopefully one time a week and sometimes up to three times a week but i try not to overwhelm people's in baskets and there are always notices of something new that uh we've done or one of our wonderful yeah. interviews. Or, or yeah, so if, if you go to our Substack and also go to our website and, and get the free alerts, uh, Ginger does a fabulous job with all of these. Um, today we have on our show Huey Alfschner. I'll spell it for you. U-W-E, and that's Huey, and then Alfschner, A-L-A-L-S-C-H-N-E-R. We've had him on the show before. He's one of the more dedicated, thoughtful human beings in the freedom movement in general. Uh, he also is involved in the health freedom movement that I know of. And um, we've just had a wonderful conversation reading each other and talking. And if we only replicate that today on our show, our conversation with you as a continued conversation, it'll be an incredibly important show. So welcome to uh, Peter and Ginger's show on America Out Loud Pulse. Thank you very much. Uh, and it's a pleasure and an honor for me to be on your show. Thank you. Thank you. T tell us, um, well, I haven't described you, uh, what you do. Um, you are uh, a consultant uh, with a group called Big Five for Life Certified. Um, and uh, he's a trainer. I think that consultants and trainers our potential way of replacing a psychiatry and psychotherapy as a institution uh, to involve with itself. Uh, he's been doing this kind of advising for more than 20 years. Um, and why don't you introduce us just a little further to what you're doing? That's a good start. Who are you? What are you doing? Because it's your, yeah. the role you do, you take is a really good one, I think. 
So I'm I'm a, I'm a historian by training. This is maybe um, uh, also pertinent to to what I'm writing about uh, on my Substack, uh, which is called Never Again is Now Global. Substack.com, and it is um, the result of me being asked to um, assist Vera Sharaf in her work on. Her, uh, her documentary, Never Again is Now Global, which people should uh, go and visit and, and watch on neveragainisnowglobal.com, so directly. Um, and, and that's Vera's work, but I have had the privilege to help her in terms of uh, referencing um, historical facts, um, going deep into the archives and, and, and finding out what really happened and to, in order to make sure that people understand that uh, what Vera is saying uh, has merit uh, so that there are ominous parallels which we can see uh, from uh, between now and, and, and then. So my training is historical. I've got a PhD in history, uh, but I've also got a background in politics. So I started working for the European Commission in 1995, uh, or better, I started to work for the German Foreign Office, um, and then was hired in German politics, worked for senior German politicians, I worked for former Chancellor Merkel before she became Chancellor, but I worked for her, I worked for other senior politicians. So I've got gained a, a first-hand experience of how those mechanisms work and uh, what, uh, how strong the influence of of lobbies uh, of uh, vested interest groups uh, is on 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 political decision making. This, in fact, uh, really got me into a crisis because the the business of politics is very very negative you you have success in politics if your opponent is worse than you so everyone is making oh. their opponent bad look bad instead of uh, working constructively to improving uh, the common uh, interest um anyway so this this is the reason why i eventually w went into coaching uh, and 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 uh, consulting helping people find their purpose um, um even <clears throat> thinking about what is the purpose in life and what are we here for? And this is exactly uh, which uh, made me realize that something was wrong, terribly wrong uh, when COVID came because this this didn't go together as, as, as all of your listeners know. Um, so, and that's when I reached out to to all sorts of people who are active and, and, and offering my help, my uh, first-hand expertise would have been translating mainly English content, scientific content into German, but I also contributed on uh, the other way to, to understand, um, as I said, politics um, uh, and, and, and stuff. So therefore I am, uh, in, in a way I was, I was, placed into the situation as all of us uh, are um, from our various backgrounds and and I'm very committed father of three um, wonderful children uh, soon to be grandfather so this is uh, really what what motivates me to to speak out uh, that stuff is not um, is not uh, um, as they uh, want to make us believe uh, you work closely with Merkel Andrea is her first name Andrea Merkel do I have that? Uh, Angela. Angela. Angela Merkel. Yeah. Um, she strikes me as the center of European globalism in a way. Um, could you talk about that? What do you think these globalists, I mean, she has just big on the European Union, right? Huge on the European Union. 
work, yeah. works in, in She's retired in, now, isn't she? She just yeah. left yeah. she left office or she yeah. Yeah, she didn't run again and I and I was gonna get to that. Yeah, I think that's important, honey. But um <clears throat> But she was with WEF, as far as I know, very closely. Oh, yeah. um, can you uh, now? Maybe because you worked with her, you can't talk about this. But let me let, let what can you say about this? She's sort of an inroad to understanding the whole European globalism. Maybe she is, but in a way, she is also um, portrayed and has been portrayed as much more powerful than than she was. Of course, I mean Germany is a is the biggest economy in Europe, so therefore, whatever happens in Germany is um, relevant um, and and very very um, decisive for for European politics. Um, so, so yes, you're you're right. Um, uh, she is very. She has been very uh, important in German and European politics, but she has been portrayed, and I think deliberately, um, much more powerful than she uh, was, uh, because eventually all politics is really. Um, it's taking orders. Uh, we have to really look at it this way, um, because there are powerful interests behind politicians, and even the way people get into office sometimes makes much more sense looking back. And this has been before. This has been the case even before Merkel, which I wasn't aware of when I worked for her because I had a very uh, positive and and naive way of looking at, at things because I, I really thought that we were in a proper democracy and that the vote of the people mattered and, and that the best uh, succeeds, which is not the case because when who is picked for to run for office is a, a very uh, important decision which has been made beforehand and and then also to support various campaigns uh, is something which is not just a matter of good arguments being presented to the public and to the electorate but it is uh, very very complicated and this has been the case with Helmut Kohl who was her uh, not direct predecessor that was Gerhard Schröder um, from Social Democrats. Kohl was her predecessor in the office of uh, party um, chairman. She even caused a downfall of Kohl because uh, then in the early 2000s she was a secretary general of the party. I had just left uh, to work for her, so I can talk freely about it. Um, um, and and there was a, a party finance scandal for unaccounted uh, um, funding, and and she, as the new secretary general, secretary general, she uh, made a, a a public newspaper article in which she laid out the moral principles uh, of what it takes to to stay in office or even to retain the honorary chairmanship which Cole had at the time. So he was not in office anymore as chancellor, but he was still party chairman um, uh, for life, basically, uh, in an honorary position. So therefore, very influential still. And this article eventually caused her downfall and that of his immediate uh, successor, Wolfgang Schäuble. Who was also fine. You, you, I, I don't want to get too much into the weeds of German politics, which is, of course, Americans are just not that sure. interested. You know how it is. The but thing is, we'll get the, them more interested. You said, is, yeah, excuse me. Yeah, 
I was going to get to European politics, but yeah, sure. And this the, is... even we have to even make European politics interesting. You said something that was so stunning. Yes. Politics is about taking orders. That was so clear. And um, what orders... What orders chain do you see if you use Merkel or any other politician or people running for office in the European Union? Like the hierarchy? Well, I don't know if it's a hierarchy or if it's uh, this and that's stuck here and there. I mean, I just don't know how it forms that. Where are the orders in your mind coming from now that guide the European Union, its attachments to who, its attachments to every stupid, bad, totalitarian principle I can imagine seems to be the European Union. And thank God the Brits left. Um, well, what, yeah. <laughs> so where, where, what's your idea of the chain of order? Where's Klaus Schwab in it? Is he important or is he just another, another facade? Yeah. I would say we we should assume that he's he's not uh, really the guy calling the shots. Um, so there there are a couple of um, of historical um, uh, determinants which which we can really pinpoint, and that is um, the U.S. has a debate. I know uh, which I, I, I read about it uh, about the the uh, Federal Reserve um, banking system, which came about in 1913, and the way it came about and and, and the resistance, uh, which was back then and, and, and what happened since. Um, so this is a, a very controversial issue where, where private banks are basically, um, you know, assuming the role of a public institution, but they are private banks, they are privately owned. And, and the Fed is very important all over the world, um, and some people um, refer to to it as an oligarchy, which which it is, and and uh, you can even trace back this historical line back to uh, to London, from London to Amsterdam, from Amsterdam to Venice, from Venice to Rome, from Rome to Babylon, even. And so this is something which would take too much now, but that's that's is uh, the the oligarchy, which is basically. Uh, making making sure that they have incriminating material on people who are in public office, and this has always been the case. Um, and and so therefore, whoever is in public office is someone who is basically dependent on the goodwill of those who have power over them to to not disclose what is there incriminating. And this may be you know all, all sorts of reasons but this kind of secret um societies which exists and it's not a conspiracy theory as such because it is it is has been written about very openly by you can google them you can google you can google the trilateral commission the bilderbergers and so on Exactly. So, yes. so therefore, this this is a well-established uh, fact. Um, uh, we have uh, what's his name, uh, Carol Quigley, writing about it: tragedy and hope, and and the Anglo-British, um, uh, the Anglo-American establishment. So, therefore, this is something where we see that those forces have even been financing both, for example, the Nazis and the Bolsheviks. Both of, I mean, Anthony Sutton yes. has, yeah, both have been financed by the same powers which 
can cause and was used to create chaos in a society to deconstruct, for example, the German society in the Weimar Republic period, just by ways of uh, uh, of, of you know um, economic um, policy and financial policy and and stuff, which eventually brought about um, a situation where the Nazis got to power and and eventually started the war. Whether or not this was in someone else's interest also or not is not the point. The point being that we have those those influences on politics. So then come 1945, we have a situation where the German Federal Republic, so the free Germany, as opposed to the communist part or, uh, and the Russian influence, the German Federal Republic seems to have been established as a democracy. But it turns out, if you really dig, that's not really the case. One, for one, is the German Reich, uh, the Reich still exists today, has been confirmed by the German Supreme Court. What consequences this has, no one really dares to, to, to touch. But it still exists. It, you must, I think we must think of it as being two entities on each other. So there is, of course, the Federal Republic of Germany, and it has its, you know, we don't have a constitution, but we have a, a basic law, which sort of is similar, but has never been approved by the by the public. And this is something which has been created by design, uh, very likely. So in order that there are uh, ways of exerting influence over Germany, um, which was in 1945 or 1948, was at the you know at the um, precipice of of the Cold War. Um, Churchill had just spoken about the Iron Curtain, and and this had been established. The Cold War had been created. Adenauer, the first German Chancellor, this is history, but it is relevant. He had been married to a cousin of John J. McCloy's wife. John J. McCloy was a Wall Street banker during the Weimar period. Adenauer was already mayor of Cologne, who was taking credit and loans from Wall Street. Um, and he became later chancellor, and McCloy was the um, uh, uh, Allied High Commissioner for Germany. Uh, so there is there is also this uh, um, historical fact which no one in Germany speaks about, but it is there. So we must assume, and there are many, many scandals even involving the Nazi money. I've written about it on my Substack. So there was a conference in Strasbourg in 1944. The war was still going on. And there was a conference in which the German industries, um, uh, captains of industry, were told by the SS, by the Nazi rulers, that until then it had been a crime to export assets abroad. From then on, August 44, it was an order to do this. So they had an order to ship assets abroad. Why? Of course, to prepare, and this is in the text, and the text can be uh, researched in the in the documents of the US Congress, because it had been already in, in the congressional hearings in 1945 um, uh, already. So this is a document which is in congressional record where the Nazis were preparing for a post-war period. And this is where, uh, for example, like Bilderberg, which you mentioned, comes in. Bilderberg. The, 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 the We're just going over time. This is interesting. I am glad. Actually, I didn't expect this to get back to look at the banking industry. We will be back 
with Huey, uh, Huey Osner very soon. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Today's high-stress, on-the-go lifestyle makes it hard to stay heart-healthy. Lifestyle changes like exercise and diet are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support three aspects of heart health, cholesterol, blood pressure, and triglycerides, with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients. You would need to take 13 pills to get the same amount of nutrients in each gel pack. And these great tasting gels come in a small packet. Tear off the top, shoot it down, or mix it in water. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. And we're back with our guest, Dr. Yui Alshner, whom we are really delighted to have with us today. This is Peter Bregan, and this is America Out Loud Pulse. Um... Uh, I think the direction we're going in is very valuable. Um, do you know our friend Catherine Fitz? Uh, because she, is, she introduced us to the importance of what you're talking about, which is the banking industry playing a very key role in the building of Nazi Germany. Um, and um, She founded Solari.com, Catherine Austin Fitz. Do you know yes. her? Yeah, I'm well aware of it's Catherine's work. Yeah, she's, she does great work. Yeah. Well, um, we're going to have a new book coming out, and we're going to have a, eventually, month, a few months from now, it's going to have a huge chapter on the banking industry with a lot of help from Catherine. Um, one of the things that, that um, I came upon when I was looking at how these central banks work, there is a bank of central banks Um located in Switzerland, and um, I'm blocking on the name of it. I've written it a hundred times. The, um, Bank of International Settlements. Yeah, yes, the BIS, the Bank of International, thank you, Settlements. And during the war, this, this bank, which has as uh, its members um, the Fed, all of the central banks around the world, uh, this bank is totally secret, you were kind of getting at that, that it gets into a secret area. And all the banks have such secrecy. And the the BIS, when it wrote up its own uh, uh, bylaws, et cetera, et cetera, said nobody can tax us, nobody can put us in jail, nobody can supervise us, and we don't have to talk to anybody. So that's the key bank perhaps in the world for the distribution of money. It, it's uh, involved in... Uh, 
the uh, Ukraine, it's it's got its fingers everywhere. Well, Germany, the Nazis were very uh, hard pressed to do international trade during the war. Uh, they couldn't buy and sell easily overseas. And um, they would take away the, the gold of the countries they would invade in Europe. They had all this kind of wealth that they were stealing throughout, you know, stealing from the conquered nations. And who came to their aid, the BIS? They became the bank of the Nazis. This is the main bank of the central banks, including, I think, the Bank of England, certainly our bank here in the U.S., the Fed. And um, they actually helped them distribute their gold and move it back and forth, the Nazis. And by the end of the war, so I didn't expect to talk about this, but you, you can see I've been working on a book about this knowledge. But um, at any rate, uh, by the end of the war, the BIS, 90% of their business was the Nazis. And who was the president of the BIS? I forget his name. An American. And he got a little criticism after the war and so on and so forth. But nothing happens, of course. As always, nothing happens. So that's a link into um, the um, the power of the banks. Do you think that the that that the billionaires and the giant corporations that, that basically own these banks, they're not owned by the people, these central banks, even though the country has them and the nation approves it or more or less gives us the right to operate. They're private banks and they keep the bankers rich and wealthy and in charge. Can you, what are your thoughts on that? Can you carry that even further than I am? And, and to show how maybe the, I love this phrase, you know, about politics is about taking orders. This is, go ahead, please. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we must understand, we must understand that democracy, uh, the, the United States has been the first real democratic um, or, yeah, democratic Republican um, uh, country uh, in the world. And it, and it was a severe blow to the British oligarchy um, when the U.S. Uh, did uh, come about and the American Revolution was successful. And, and even that was something which has remained a thorn in the side of the oligarchs uh, ever since. Um, and many are um, uh, arguing that, for example, the American Civil War has been an operation uh, in an attempt to break up the United States um, and, and get it back under control of, of the British. Uh, and, and likewise, the First World War it has been... Uh, it came about over nothing. Everyone agrees about this. It's it's it was clear and plainly insane to go to war about such issues and 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 plunge the war and in, in, into defeat. But we must see that Germany had become industrial competitor to Britain number one. Uh, the United States also were very very industrialized. And they were on an isolationistic course, so they did not want to become involved in in in, in foreign wars and and stuff. Um, and and presidents were assassinated about this. 
So therefore, this has a continuity even in this way. And and the war, the First World War, was also, I mean, Germany had just begun to build the Berlin Baghdad Railway, which would have been a threat to the Suez Canal and the economic um, dimension of control over over world um, economy uh, export and imports, uh, which the British had uh, in connection with the French. But it was mainly uh, the British who, who were pressing for for this war against Germany under any pretense, because also uh, there was the Russian dimension. So therefore, this is extremely strategic um, uh, in terms of economics, politics, uh, and, and power. And, and therefore, this needs to be revisited and understood properly, because it's not that it was a, a stupid German uh, emperor. He was not very intelligent, but there were other issues involved, which you can see in the trade balances if you compare both countries. And if you can see the the, the strategic threat, which was emerging uh, with, uh, with Germany then. The Second World War was similar, um, and uh, but your question was to the to the BIS and and to its role and and you're absolutely right. Um, it was founded. We must remember to facilitate the reparations which were put uh, upon Germany after the First World War. What was founded? Uh, BIS. BIS BIS was founded. Okay. To 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 facilitate the 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 payment of the reparations. That was the um, the uh, the reason why the business was founded. It was problematic right from the start because the Germany had a huge influence. It also had members on the board of the BIS, uh, which were uh, dealing uh, with uh, the, for example, uh, it's it's known that Prescott Bush, uh, the father of President uh, um, Bush, uh, and the uh, grandfather of uh, of President Bush the younger, um, he was even in. The Indicted, uh, and he was uh, um, he was his assets were were frozen because he was dealing with the enemy. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. That's brilliant. And this is not about Democrats or Republicans, folks. The Republicans have been just as bad global predators as the Marxists. And uh, right, the- and, and and those were possibly inventions because it was ideal to you know. To, to split polarized society uh, and to get away from common sense, from reasoning, uh, and and to go into the extremes. And certainly Germany uh, was uh, in the 1930s was ripe for this. I mean, it was it was it was you know it was destroyed basically, and then the Nazis came about. And uh, uh, and we don't want to go in, into this uh, too much, but it is important to know that that Roosevelt was even. Um, he had decided to break up the BIS to have them to have them uh, be dissolved in 1944. This decision was taken against the British wish. So um, John Maynard Keynes, the economist, he was leading the British delegation in 1944 and tried to argue against this. He was overruled. So the uh, Americans were set on dissolving the BIS, and only the death of Franklin Delano Roosevelt was then uh, a chance where his successor, Harry Truman, uh, could forget uh, this ruling or at least could not carry uh, through with it. Otherwise, we would have maybe a very different situation today. Um, 
the the bank remained very powerful it still is powerful and it is controlling a lot of uh, instit uh, institutions and organizations which are dealing with politics in an outside field for example you mentioned it the world economic forum um, and it has its leadership program the young leadership or whatever and angela merkel was a member of this this is an this is an area where politicians are groomed they are being profiled uh, as mm -hmm. to where they have their weak spots and one is alcohol the other one is sex another one is money or whatever you want to think of in in terms of, <clears throat> uh, of personality problems this is systematically being uh, exploited uh, so therefore politicians eventually get um uh, they they are corrupted um, young young global leaders is yeah. the is the name of the program and my understanding is that it's really a training-like program which goes on for, I think I heard, six years before you're fully uh, uh, anointed as a young global leader. And there are other programs. I mean, there are... Yes. There are they are um so it is basically it is the atlanticists which they are also called sometimes and 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 um they uh, have various organizations which all have um you know youth programs and 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 and, and conferences and and bilderberg is the senior conference for that but it was used to reintroduce the german assets which have been stacked away since 1944 abroad uh, and after the london conference on on the debt situation with germany of 1952 then uh, a couple of years later the first bilderberg meeting took place um in in a small hotel outside of arnhem and arnhem was the place where uh, a huge allied effort to end the war in the winter of 1944 failed because the Germans had been given a pre-warning. Why was that possible? Well, we know today that Prince Bernhard of the Netherlands, who later founded the Bilderbergs, right where this decisive battle failed, he had been a, a, um, a Nazi member, SS officer. Uh, he had lied about his Nazi affiliations all his life. It came out uh, just recently that he did, in fact, um, have a membership card with the Nazis. And he had um, protected a double agent um, from the Dutch resistance who also worked for the Germans, who very, very likely, I mean, it's, 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 it's naive to think it, it, it wouldn't have been this way, uh, warned, uh, gave away the, the plan so that the Germans were able to reinforce uh, those positions which before that had, had been almost bare because Germans had to throw everything uh, of military power to the east where the Russians had been advancing um, for quite some some time. And, and only through this forewarning was it possible for, for the Abwehr to, uh, to really reinforce those positions which eventually halted this and, and, and aborted this attempt uh, in September 1944, Operation Market Garden which would have ended the war, and it would also have uh, resulted in the Nazis not succeeding in shipping the money abroad. So the, uh, eventually they got nine more months until May of 1945, which then uh, ended the war. And by then, a lot of money and, and assets had been stacked away, um, uh, which were introduced uh, back into the system in 1945 with the Bilderberg meetings. Oh, my gosh. 
I'll tell you, I, I, I have to be really candid about this. And uh, my guess is some of our listeners may laugh, but I have a really hard time following all the banking stuff. People bring up banking. My husband talks about banking and my mind just goes someplace else. For some reason, it's been, it's lifelong. I don't know if it's in math. It's the evil blanket on minds. <laughs> the evil blanking my mind. <laughs> I think, you know. Well, it a, could this, be, but because what I... Mean, I you taught me about the evil and right. what it does. And uh... e Evil pushes you away. Evil is like blinding sometimes. And when you encounter it, this is a, my latest theory. When you encounter evil, one of the first things you often do is you flinch. And you just, you don't want to look at it. You look away. And... What I'm realizing, listening really hard to this conversation, is that this banking is sitting behind everything else. So my concern about science and ethics and Congress going and fixing this or something like that, Congress, I, I really, I know this already, Congress you is owned right. and they aren't going to fix it. So what all of us are, I think, really who are thinking about this or wrestling with is exactly where is the pressure point you can put a thumb on to actually start to change this, to actually start to unravel the evil and to uh, fix what's going on. I just had a thought. Um you know how conspiracy theory is raised so obviously, and as soon as the public hears, oh, that's a conspiracy theory, they are dumbfounded oh, yeah. and they stop thinking. You know what? The word banking does the same thing. It does. Now, since <laughs> banking is the most powerful thing we know of as an institution in the world, it may be at least, maybe that's the way we've been trained about banking. Um and the coming, the book that's coming out. I'm talking more about our book coming out in a few months in this session than in anything I've done before so far. So I guess I'm getting eager to get the darn thing done. But in it, I describe banking as the blood bank of the world, but it's secret. It's as if all of our blood was owned by one place, and they dispensed it for us as they wanted to. It's that evil. It's that corrupt, and it's completely secret. And it exists in, in the very heart of everything we're doing. And it's all related on another level. And I want I want to bring this up and have Huey talk about uh maybe empires a bit more. But you you're you're one of the few people from Europe I've ever spoken with that really understood the importance of the United States of America being founded. Um and and how it immediately drew all these attacks. But what people don't re realize is that America was fighting the world's biggest global empire ever. So you, you set you set today right then and there. It's globalism in the form of the British Empire, which you are saying remained the great the great power uh, and influence uh, continually, and the globalists. From the beginning, just like the uh, British have wanted to destroy America and its constitution, 
And the idea that they were a very big influence in the Civil War coming about, I think, is very interesting. One of the earliest tracings to the use of the word conspiracy is in 1866 or something, a New York Times report in which the report is making fun of the idea that the British elite want the South to win the war. And it's called a conspiracy theory. We'll be back in a very few minutes with Huey Alsner. Many voices, one freedom, united in the First Amendment. Our goal is to herald the voice of genuine liberty at AmericaOutloud.news. A place where you'll find the naked truth expressed with a patriotic heart. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. And we're back. Who's back? <laughs> Peter and Ginger Breggett. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just bamboozled today. Well, I'm always teasing my <laughs> wife. and you know Especially what? on radio. Especially, it's because I love her so much. It's the same story that you see in the Peanuts cartoon where Charlie Brown is going to go and kiss the little girl he loves the most. I think that's Lucy. No, no. No, no. Not and Lucy. Lucy is talking to him about it. And uh, Charlie goes, and then he comes back, and I think it's Lucy says, well, did you kiss her? He said, no, I hit her. Well, teasing is a form of of, of my handling how much I love this woman. And um, it's a little outrageous, but that's, that's the way it is. I want to come back to... Um, this point about the empires. People cannot face that there is a global empire that is really crushing the world right now. It's coming down on the world. The banking industry is key. The military industrial complex is key, which is a part of the intertwines with the banking. Um, Communist China, on the one hand, is, is building an empire of its own. And America used to be building an empire of its own as the, as the world's policeman, but now it's coming out, out of America so much as Americans who are involved in the World Bank and involved in the... Well, and American money involved American in... American money, American uh, money. The, but the empires are key. When, <clears throat> when the shot held, heard around the world was fired in the beginning of the, civil, of the Revolutionary War... We were not only going up against the most powerful global empire, the reason we were able to win was as an ally, we had the French Empire, 
And we would uh, get, you know, their, their Navy was what helped us win at Yorktown. They blocked the access of the British to to uh, save the British Army while we bombarded them and had even French soldiers on the ground on our side. We were also getting money, thanks to Ben Franklin and other American patriots, from the Dutch Empire, which was a, maybe a somewhat different kind of empire, but... Uh, um, still an empire. And there was at that time a Russian empire. There was a Chinese empire. There were empires in Africa, which people don't talk about. So this world, since the start of civilization, this is this is what, what I'm going to be talking about in our, in our next book. Too. I mean, I've written that part already. Um, since the beginning of civilization, there have been bullies, violent men organizing in as small marauding groups, large marauding groups, finally organizing as kingdoms. As big as they could get. As big as <laughs> they could get. Exactly. And that's all we're facing now. The crushing of America by those who are as big as they can get because they want to get even bigger. That's what you need to know, folks, about globalism. Yui Oshner, do you have any thoughts about that? That little riff or whatever. Right. I, I think it's it's no coincidence that um, uh, when we speak about empire and the influence of the British, uh, John Titus, I think it was, who who pointed out that there had been an attempt by the U.S. Justice Department to go after some banks uh, for violations uh, uh, during the banking. Uh, crisis in 2009 or, or 10 2008 or yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and and there had been even uh, attempts to to indict people eventually this ended up with a an event where the british finance minister and the british uh, so the head of the bank of england mark carney were telling the 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 american finance minister and um, justice uh, minister what they have to do about it that is not go through with this and and you can look it up with john titus he spoke about it i don't have the facts really uh, that uh, much i never heard this but it fits it fits it fits what this says is that the city of london exerts control over the us fiscal policy and also over wall street this is something which uh, you may have you may you may be familiar with the name lyndon larouche uh, he yes. was yeah. Yeah. an american a politician um independent or whatever i don't know too much about him uh, or, uh, except that he had been accused of being um anti-semitic and and whatever um which today many he was people also put in jail he's a very controversial figure but so tell us what he was saying because we're, so he... we're we're cynical enough to 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 really believe anything now Go ahead. <laughs> exactly and, and and he had been writing and speaking about the british influence in and over the United States, and he'd been speaking about the threat which the American Republic constituted 
for the system of oligarchy, which was represented and still is represented today by the British, because their empire never really ceased to exist. The Commonwealth today still exists. The, uh, the king is uh, head of uh, Canada. Um, uh, so your, your neighbor to the north is effectively governed still by the British crown. The crown, of course, is not just the king. It is an institution of 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 merchants and and noblemen who uh, who have been running the show with the British East India Company and the British American Company and the British Africa Company, um, and and this is something which never really ceased, but which received a serious blow, which they never forgot, and so the 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 idea that there should be something trying to undo history in this way to get away with this Republican tradition, which was founded with the United States of America, is, I think, is very, very um, convincing. It's it's a very good idea, which we should follow and, and look uh, deeper into. And if you if, if we do this, then we see that, for example, after World War One, again, we spoke about this having been no have made no sense to go to war about this and, and, and cause so much death. Um, over it but after that the league of nations was about to be uh, instituted yes. and it was a peace project but it was a peace project in which the british were sitting on top of it and uh, and fortunately the americans did not go along it was not ratified in the in the united states uh, senate so therefore it it failed uh, to establish this but the the institution uh, of the league of nations was essentially something very similar to what uh, for example people like orwell and and uh, have been writing about in this you know world which has been divided into four or five big blocks but there is one institution which is on top of it it, it is because it is uh, present in each one of those blocks and that was the british empire and 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 so there had been something which fdr has also been quite aware about of course there had been a shift of power over to america but um i mean germany has been accused of being anti-american for for all sorts of reasons because uh, we we were uh, you know leaning uh, towards um, russia or whatever has been said and uh, the but the the thing of anti-americanism vietnam and and everything which 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 we know about what what was uh, what was bad in world history had been blamed on america and and it was army go home and whatever but the thing is this may have been just a ruse right to get the us um involved in all sorts of uh, adventures um uh which were serving the oligarchy's purpose and if you then think about this event with the city of London dictating to the US government what they have to do about the banking situation as it documents um, uh, by John Titus, then it is not too far-fetched, I think, to to ponder whether or not even this kind of anti-Americanism um, might be uh, a way to, you know, eventually get away with all these imperials and uh, establish a one-world government. And that's what they want to do explicitly. Thank you very, very much. This has become one of the more educational interviews I've ever had, where I'm constantly learning, we're taking notes, um, and... It just keeps confirming 
<clears throat> that this web of globalism has just been with us. Huge money is behind it. And folks, it's not a coincidence that America now has a president who is too old to be functioning, but is very easily led by the global powers, maybe working through Obama, who seems to be very close to him. People say our government cars can be seen just coming back and forth to the Obama residence all the time. And that would lead right up to globalism because he's always been uh, a creature of, of the globalists. Uh, first thing he did, Obama, when he went on a tour as president, was apologize for the United States of America. He toured the world. Yeah, his <laughs> apology to him. Um, and that just gets you right back up into, well, who are the real powers? Right. Uh, politicians usually tour those areas where their votes are coming from, where their power or authority is coming from. Yeah. And instead of touring the United States, President Obama toured the world. Well put, beautifully put. So I, what, I'm, what I would like to begin to think about in the last seven minutes that we have here is Americans who are listening to this, my fellow citizens, you are the world's last hope right now. You've given up on the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Who has? America. You're not standing up by hundreds of thousands, not even as much as Europe. Are you protesting the violence being perpetrated against you? The, the lockup of our January 6th people, their torture, they're being held without law. You're not, you're not going back and saying, all right, lock us all up. Let's, let's just go with so many millions, they can't lock us all up. You're, you're listening too much global news. When you listen to the major networks or when you listen to the major social media, um, <clears throat> you are listening to internationalist, global, money-backed powers. And they're out to destroy us. And they are particularly aimed at us. That's why we had the most deaths from COVID. It had nothing to do with the uh, SARS-CoV-2, which is a minimally dangerous uh, 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 virus, less dangerous than the flu to children and young adults, and just really you know, somewhat dangerous to the elderly managed to make it into a murder weapon by suppressing all of our treatments for it. That's how much they want to murder Americans. And the vaccine, which we've now been writing about on our substack, the organization of Operation Warp Speed was military. A four-star general ran it. The FDA and the uh, drug companies as corrupt as they are were not corrupt enough. They had to take the entire process and give it to the hands of the military who are being influenced again by the global power and money. It's part of the military industrial complex. So I'm trying to explain to you that the spirit of America, not Americans even, the spirit of America is our last hope. It's the only force in the world that says the most important thing is individual human freedom. 
It's the only force in the world, folks. It's actually, you hear other countries have constitutions and you think about, oh boy, they look, they don't look like the American constitution. They don't have our Bill of Rights. They didn't just adopt our Bill of Rights when they mimicked us. We are the only nation on paper intended to be a nation based on individual freedom, religious freedom, freedom of speech, freedom of assembly. Get out there and assemble. Get out there and speak with the last gasp. The entire structure we're facing now will overcome us within months or years. I mean, no one can predict the future very accurately, but just just a small number of us can do what our founders did. There probably weren't 10% of, of co colonists who were maybe 10% avidly in support of risking war and then making war with Great Britain. Why would they be? They're going to lose everything. They weren't going to win. They had nobody had an idea we were going to win. And you won't know when you start if you're going to win. And you won't even know that you've won uh, after a period of time necessarily the truckers in Canada uh, were amazingly effective and even more so than they've known until this year as things wound through the courts and so forth in terms of slowing down and stopping some of the worst of the oppression that was going on. It, it, the, the war hasn't been won in Canada for freedom, but it was an incredibly important battle, much more important than anyone on freedom's side even realized. So when you're working on it, you work toward the ideal, and you have to have a certain amount of faith that uh, enough of us throw our shoulders to the wheel, and that wheel will eventually move. And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of, of you know, climate um, doomsday scenarios or, or biosecurity doomsday scenarios. Uh, those are risks uh, and maybe they are um, real. Uh, maybe they are not so real as they want to make us believe, but be, uh, be sure that it is uh, important to defend the Constitution and to defend the individual um, human rights and, and liberties. I would second this, yes. Thank you for being on the show. Um, would you um, finish up maybe by telling people how to be in touch with you? You'll have a minute to do that. Thank you very much. As I said, um, so my Substack is never again is now global.substack.com and my Twitter is uh, klartext um, underscore blog. So K-L-A-R-T-E-X-T -E underscore blog. Um, that's where I can be found and I'm very grateful uh, for having been on your show. Thank you very much. Well, let's stay in touch. I think this was a world turned into a whirlwind look at what's really on the global level going on in the world. Now, folks, if you understand this, all the chaos makes sense. If you want to know why there's a Russian-Ukrainian war, the Russians are anti-globalists and the Ukrainians are the most corrupt nation in the world, even more corrupt than Russia.
And all that billions of dollars, why would we be giving billions of dollars to Ukraine? Because as the center of corruption in the world, practically, it'll just spread that money around through corruption to all of the powers that can grab it. Look at anything and think of it as a global takeover. Thank you for listening to America Out Loud with Peter and Ginger Bregan and Q with Ulster today. Goodbye all and thanks for taking this seriously.